0: So, welcome to the podcast, Joe and Betsy. Hello Joe, hello Betsy. Hi. I'm really pleased to have both of you on the podcast because you're two people you don't know each other, but I've had to had to persuade you <laughs> both, <laughs> both to come on. And I think it's a really good example of how I come across some amazing women who do some absolutely amazing work. Don't know how good they are, and yet we never hear about them. And we might be a bit shy on social media, we might not feel very comfortable about sharing the work that we do. But, you know, I know it's a big thing for both of you to come on this podcast. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Let's start with Uh, a very brief introduction to who you are, uh, what flavor of surveyor, and maybe a taste of the kind of work that you do. So let's start with Betsy.
1: Yes, um, hi, I am a charter surveyor of over 20 years experience, uh, specialized in commercial properties. About five years ago, I set up my own business, focusing in providing clients advice in commercial property and asset management, independent advice on any really commercial real estate matters i also help clients in compliance and strategic reviews and business planning Uh, i'm also an ned for a startup company Uh, i'm also rics regional board member i'm also very keen in inspiring the next generation to join our industry
2: and so, Joe, we were just talking about being nice. nervous. Do you want to follow that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, don't make confessions, make. I'm so nervous. I've actually written a little intro out, and I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to read it out. I'm not going to deny this. Good. And then later on, I might relax a little bit more and become a little bit more ad lib. You never know. So this is probably going to be the most polished I sound the whole podcast. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so, well, I am a chartered building surveyor with 18 years' experience working in the commercial property sector in Birmingham. I worked in the corporate world from 2003 to 2019, passing my APC in 2005, and then requested to associate director by 2011. I then took the conscious decision to move to a smaller regional private practice closer to my home at my husband's family farm in Shropshire in May 2019, so quite a long time in Birmingham, basically in search of the fabled best work-life balance. Which I'm glad to say I've found. And so, putting that into context, that's going from a firm with 1,200 plus employees and around 28 offices nationally to a firm with seven peer earners, two apprentices, and eight support staff across three regional offices. So it's a big change. So my typically we typically my weekly instructions range from inspections across offices, retail, sheds, schools, and would include pre-acquisition building surveys, schedules of condition dilapidations for landlords and, and tenants, the odd reinstatement cost assessment. I also get involved in contract administration, project monitoring, and occasionally particles. Yeah, so that's it. Um, every day is different. And I lean towards the to survey work rather than the contract administration and project management. Um, and dilapidations is probably my favourite bread and butter. I would say <laughs> much, much to some of the surveyors' <laughs> real horror. I think that might be because I'm like a failed legal person. So, you know, in my heyday when I was younger, I thought that would be going to be a legal executive and was never quite brainy enough. (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, that's me.
0: (laughs) Thank you for that. I'm I'm glad you wrote down unprepared because, you know what, that's something that we need to do. You know, we're not used to doing things like this. And I guess it comes back to that whole networking piece as well. You know, when you're, when we're out net, well, we used to go out networking and you, you know, we'd meet somebody and tell them what we do. And, and I always felt really rubbish at it. <laughs> you know, I wore not so much now. I own it a bit more now, but we, I wore so many different hats, you know, different hats. And how do you describe myself? And it'd be, you know, different things to different people. And it just all got really complicated. And I just want to say, mm-hmm. hi, I'm Marion. I'm a surveyor but not the kind you usually think of <laughs> because they would always have, you know, preconceptions about being a QS or commercial or, and now I don't go, I, you know, I don't go out and do the inspections like, like I used to. And so it just been really hard work and I've, and I've adapted it over the, the years. Now I just say I'm Marion and I love surveying. <laughs> like it's some kind of confession. <laughs>
1: I think that is really good, actually, Marianne, because um, I found it really difficult at networking when people ask me what I do. I started to say, how long have you got? Because our work is so diverse. I don't know where to start and where to end. Absolutely. And I
0: remember when I first started out in my career uh, networking, so 20 plus years ago now, Mm And I went to a few events and I and I put myself out there to go to some of these women in property or, you know, d- different events, any CPD I, I saw out. And I always felt really awkward, was too shy to talk to anybody. And and then I, I don't know what happened, but something motivated me to write a list of questions. And, and that meant that I can, you know, I, has, I had like a, like a preset list of three or four questions. So that if I met somebody, I could ask them about them. And people love to talk about themselves. Love to talk mm. about themselves. And because I was a graduate and just starting out, it sort of diffused any, you know, um questions about me and what I was what I was doing. But it got to a point where it was more like an interrogation. <laughs> where I would I'd interrogate people a bit too much. So I had to reel back from that.
2: Did everybody start then, avoiding you at events, Marion?
0: Yeah, you know, oh, it's her again with a little clipboard. Yeah. <laughs> No, I didn't have a kit <laughs> but, but being prepared of having a few key questions, you know, yeah. or icebreakers, and and I also found that particularly as a woman, people would ask me, "Have I got kids?" or when I've got kids, it was then you know, tell me about the kids, and you know, how far have you come, and, and they're all really like, boring topics when everyone else was talking about football and what was going on in the news, yeah. and and so having a couple of icebreaker yeah. questions and things, and so what I started to do. And it came into its own when I worked in complaints and dealing with defect and valuation claims as a, as a surveyor is when people, you know, got round to asking me what I do after they had to interrogate them. You know, I would just say, you know, yes, I deal with complaints and claims, da, 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 et cetera. What I love is, uh, or what I what I remember, and trying to relate myself to the job. And I would, I would often give a story about um, how... Uh, I was dealing with a complaint or claim where someone had just, a first-time buyer, someone had just moved into their their home and something had gone wrong and and related to, you know, oh, I remember, because we've all got a I've just moved into my house story, Yeah, you know, of we haven't got any furniture, so we have got boxes, you know, we have takeaway, the sofa doesn't fit through the door, we had to take the door off the hinge. And that became my icebreaker question. So it sort of related surveying and the work I did to, something that was relatable to them and I noticed that people's eyes would light up you know mm. and they've always got a funny story or a dramatic terrible story you know about what happened when they first moved in it became a really nice uh nice icebreaker mm. yeah as soon as you
2: feel a bit more relaxed at an event like that it's things start tripping off the tongue a little bit more and you settle into a routine and yeah I struggle with networking and I think what I've got to do is be more selective perhaps about the events that I attend so yes oh yes, uh, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah so when I was in corporate you know they encouraged us to go to so many but a lot of them wouldn't be that relatable to me so it'd be sort of capital markets or investment where I feel completely out of my depth and basically walking to the room and see lots of groups chatting already and think right i'm just turn my pail and get out of there and the next day you know my, my manager would say so oh, what did you get out of that networking event last night then joe mm, yeah no i came with no business cards on that occasion i'm sorry, you
0: know and that's, but, um, that's interesting joe because there is that expectation you know what is networking mm. you know and, and is it to go out and just meet some new people or is it out to go out and get business and collect the business cards you know, and, and it all sort of builds up that, that expectation. But really, I think with the time that we've got, which is limited and the enthusiasm we have for some of these things, it's got to be worth our while. And so, Ooh. you know, I think you're absolutely right to be selective. Yeah. You know, I, I'm much, much more selective with my time, where I turn up, how I show up. I mean, let's yes. face it, nobody's gone anywhere for the past two years, well, that's you know, true. You know that's true. but I'm, I'm quite, um, uh Discerning now about about what I do, but back then it was I felt like it was such a need, almost like a sponge to to connect and to find my place in the world as a surveyor yeah. and this career that I was forging. And yeah, it was it was, and I think also you know, coming from from residential. So I would I used to work in Croydon, and I would get on the train and go in some into London yeah. uh, somewhere to meet up and. Literally all the corporate surveyors or lawyers, they would all be there in these little suits and high heels and I would be wearing my practical functional yes. clothes.
2: <laughs> well, it's quite um the fact that you said that nobody's done anything for years is really it's really sort of Um, bearing down on me at the moment because I've only been with my company for two years and I'm trying to make connections in a whole new market so the regional market is completely different to the corporate market in Birmingham and I don't really know anybody out here in Shropshire so um, I've contacted one of my legal friends who works for a legal firm in Shropshire and we're going to try and host a women in sort of Shropshire property event um, at a local um, wine cellars So that's actually taking the fear out of it a little bit for me, which is odd because ordinarily I'd walk into a room like that and feel frightened. Whereas now I think being the person to sort of arrange it and host it and be the collaborator is actually helping me get more confidence.
0: And I think, yeah, and it will give you something busy to do. Yeah, you know, sort of a, as, a, as a distraction. Do share, share the details with that. I'm, okay, yeah. I'm excited to, to, to hear about that. Okay. And I hear lots of people setting up their own little groups. And and I think that's fabulous. As much as I'd like RICS to talk more about women in surveying and, and things, you know, there, there are lots of different women's groups and organisations out there. And we don't need to reinvent the wheel, but equally, they don't all tick the boxes for us because we're all so diverse and yeah. you know, involved in different things so just setting up your own thing and and making it as relevant or as informal as you
2: want it to be is yeah. it, it's really important but we're, we're hoping to make it a more regular thing so a bit like the women in property and nationally do Um, but our local group is West Midlands is in Birmingham and that's quite a long way for us in Shropshire to head out that way so yeah we just thought we'd bring it in a little bit more local a little bit more the people that we deal with on a daily basis because I've noticed you know I'm dealing with more owner occupiers private investors not the big corporates like I was when I worked in corporate so it just needs to be a different approach really so that I can settle into my new role properly. So did you move job then sort of during the the pandemic? No, it was just before actually. So it was in the May 2019. It just, the commute just got too much because from where I live here, it's four hours pretty much. And then that was the case of two hours in, two hours home, mixture of driving and train. And then by the time I got home, sort of I had a, a, a toddler that I hadn't seen because I'd left at the crack of dawn and got home at half past six. And- I just felt like I was really missing out and I'd had a few rows with my husband about it and he just basically turned around to me one evening and said, you need to change your job. He said, you need to change. Well, that night I went on the, uh, onto the internet and just I, I stumbled across that TSR were looking for a building surveyor and I made an approach. And yeah, so um, and I had to go get sort of three months notice period uh, with my existing employer and then moved, I think, and joined them in September 2019. That was and the pandemic hit, obviously, that December and in March, you know, lockdown and into the new normal after that. So, yeah, I'd only had six months with my new firm, really, before I was furloughed for two months.
0: I think there are a, a lot of people who will have moved jobs, have been in a similar situation where they're, you know, in this new role, but don't have that support or connection with their new company I know a few people who've I mean my husband's similar here he's recruited people over the last year and a half and he's never met them you know not, yeah. not in person and it it should matter it shouldn't matter but it just makes a difference when you can get to know people and, and therefore the support and resources have got to be in place to support newcomers but also then you've got to find the courage and confidence to put your hand up and say I need to talk to somebody, I need some help, you know, yeah. and, and
2: we don't always feel comfortable doing that, do we? No, but luckily they're all very approachable and supportive. And now I'm feeling like very much like my role can be shaped by me because they're backing me with this uh, female networking event that we're proposing and various other bits and bobs that I'm raising with them. They're happy to hear me out and, um, yeah, willing to give me a push in the right direction. So it's all good. It's all really
0: positive. And, you know, there's nothing better than working somewhere where you feel supported and feel mm. good about it, you know. Yeah. But let's say you, you work for yourself now. What inspired you to go it alone and, and how have you
1: found that? Well, it was just a spur of mad moment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, to be honest, before I decided to go on my own I was you know like Joe like you I worked in corporate companies for so many years for over 15 years I always went out you know networking I think I did quite well I really enjoyed it but got to the point I found a little bit like it's day in day out it's the same every company I moved to It was very exciting in the beginning because, you know, it's all new process, new procedures, new people. And then once I have, you know, done the initial task of the job, it became very routine again. So I thought, what is wrong with me? It's actually surveying or, you know, at the time I thought, was surveying actually right for me because I didn't get that oomph to get out of bed and say, right, let's go out to go to work. You know, it's another exciting day. So have been thinking, have been talking to a lot of people. And then I found it's very funny. It's kind of all of a sudden finding myself. I kind of know, actually, I like to go into basically a mess and help people to say, I can help you out. You know, just go in, do troubleshooting. And that is what I enjoy. You know, if someone gives me, say, I've got a problem, can you sort it out for me? And I'll be so excited about it. (laughs) Get out of bed, look at the problem and say, I need to find you a solution. And then once the solution is done, I know everything is going smoothly. I can move on to another trouble and that keep me going. And that is why I thought, actually, I like to be on my own and just deal with projects, deal with, troubleshoots deal with any historic you know a lot of historic issues that my clients have and that started me off to become on my own because I'm not bound by any corporate structure or um, any job specification as such anymore
0: I think I think that's really really
1: interesting that
0: you you identified what you love to do Mm. and have created the work and business around it And it's interesting. It reminds me of a, I did a Women in Surveying virtual summit back in 2018. I'll put a link to it in the show notes because the recordings are still available. And one of the lady, or one of the interviews that I did was with a lady called Lucy Whittington. She wrote a book called How to Find Your Thing. You know, that how to find your good. Up. And I did some work with Lucy a number of years ago. And what I learned was that I do what I do. I just happen to do it in the world of surveying and what you've described is you know you're a problem solver you're curious you like ripping things apart and putting it back together <laughs> yeah. you just have you just happen to do it in the world of surveying and we often define ourselves as surveyors you know, and that can be quite limiting, or we can find ourselves in roles or in companies where it doesn't quite tick the boxes. And then you find yourself struggling, not motivated, you know, like like you've mm-hmm. described. And so sometimes having that perspective that we're human beings first and surveyors second can be really interesting. And I was on a an RICS working group a, a little while ago, and um, they were collecting some information to go out and get a, do a survey of surveyors. And they had something like two hundred and nine different types of surveyors registered. In terms of the not necessarily the kind of work, maybe, but the the way that we describe ourselves. I mean, that's mm, a huge, huge that's incredible. Amount. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had so no idea
1: there was that
0: many. <laughs> <laughs> And so there's, it's really important. I think that we recognize that in ourselves first. And and I actually do a lot of work on this in the coaching that I do with my clients or in the the, the programs that I run is understanding, you know, who you are, what you're about really, why did you become a surveyor? You know, did you just find yourself there? And what I've learned on this podcast is a lot of surveyors say, well, I fell into it. (laughs) And there's very few that say, you know, when I was seven, I really yeah. wanted to be a surveyor <laughs> you know, in in reality and and good on them if people have that kind of mm-hmm. brilliant careers advice. But most of us fall into it. Yeah. Yeah. So the earlier on in your career that you can understand what you're about and what makes you tick and what motivates you means that you'll be drawn towards more positive work and more opportunities that suit you. Mm-hmm. you know and, yeah. and I mean so for me I'm very much a problem solver but people led and and that's how I ended up dealing with the complaints and claims because I was yeah. interested in not just what went wrong from an analytical side but the emotional side of it who surveyor goes out to do a bad job how does that happen mm-hmm. and you know we, we we've got the consequences of a, a client or customer who's often in desperate situations and it's very emotive and that's all about for them, it's about trust and how they've been made to feel and they're vulnerable. And, and so yeah. it's about the customer psychology around it that makes makes me tick. You know, it yeah. just happens to do it in this world. But when I did that, it was a game changer in my career because I started to just be more positive, understood myself better. And if there's one thing I'd recommend to any surveyor, but particularly younger surveyors out there, is to to do that early on and just get that, that sense of why you do what you do and, and what Definitely. motivates you.
2: If I had known, if I had sort of, it, it occurred to me 10 years ago to sort of get a coach similar to yourself, Marion, it would have been something that I would have, you know, dumped the chance to do. Mm. It's just discovering you has brought so much positivity into my life because I feel like I've got a better support network. I've got vision, which I haven't had since, well, I worked in a bank before I went back to university to study for building surveying. So you know, it's just an amazing journey of discovery that I'm on now. And I'm finding that the more positive I am, the more positivity that brings. So yeah. it's like a knock-on effect. And, you know, I'm positive about my work and, and where I am at the moment. But I am on a bit of a voyage of self-discovery at the moment. And I've got so much going on in my head at the moment. I just can't get it out into any sort of sensible format at the moment. But I'm enjoying I'm enjoying trying to discover myself, should we say, yeah, I haven't quite got the vision pinned down yet. I'm working.
0: On but you know you, don't need to, you know, you don't need to. You know, a lot of um, a lot of coaches or business advisors will say, you know, you've got to have your vision for your business or your career and where you want to be. And I would say you just need a sense of direction. Yeah. You know, and you you get to have fun putting those things together. I mean, I've experimented with all sorts of stuff. Anybody who's looked at my career over the last couple of years would be thinking. What is that? Is that woman up to? You know, she's got no shame doing Instagram reels and prancing about, and you know, some of the stuff she she pouts off and she's oversharing again on, <laughs> you know, but you you just explore and you experiment, and you know, the person I was ten years ago, six years ago after I had my daughter, you know, since I left my my corporate job, who I am now, it is a journey. I think you just got to embrace curiosity and and just have fun with it there's um a great quote in a book by um a lady called elizabeth gilbert and she's written loads of really inspiring things but she's written a novel book called the city of girls and in it she talks about um a quote that i love and it says at some point in a woman's life she just gets tired of being ashamed all the time (laughs) you know and just that you just get to a point of thinking because I felt ashamed that I wasn't coping after my daughter. Mm. I've got two children after my daughter that I wasn't coping, that I wasn't good enough and never a good enough surveyor. And what kind of surveyor am I? Yeah. And achievement and, you know, all those things. But it just comes down to just not feeling good enough and ashamed. But it comes to a point where you just think, I'm tired of doing that anymore. And we can either get to a point of burnout. And that, I think that's a, a commonly overused term because I think we are, it's, Sometimes it's quite dramatic. Sometimes it's a slow decline and we yeah. just just wither away. But we get to that that crunch point. And sometimes we need to hit that bottom to bounce back up. I know I've, really certainly, I've certainly I've mm. certainly done that. And the problem with being a coach is I coach myself a lot, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I have to feel the feels sometimes, mm. you know, sometimes you just get to a point. And I wonder then with your experiences, you know, do you think you get to a point of maturity? And I I think we need to be mature as surveyors, anyway, with the things that we see in our work, Mm. you know, in our guises. But perhaps as women, we get to a point of maturity and think, "Do you know what? I'm going to do something different."
1: Yeah, no, I think I think you are absolutely right. I can so resonate with what you just said because a lot of say young surveyors they come to me, they say, "You know, which area should I specialise in? Should I go into reviews? Should I go into?" Uh, building surveyor for example and I always said to them is I can't give you the answer only yourself know what is the best for you and what you enjoy most and how could anyone find out what they enjoy most the only way is to try it and I think we're under so much
2: pressure um when we're young surveyors selecting a particular pathway and it's like um you think when you select that pathway that's the be all and end all and that's what you're going to be sort of designated to do for the rest of your life but there's nothing to stop you from as you say exploring and getting curious and trying other things I think that's the trap that I fell into in all honesty when I was in the corporate world and I stayed there for I stayed with the same firm for 12 years and they, they were really good to me and I had a great time while I was there and a lot of support some great role models but that lo- that sense of loyalty and that amount of time that I spent with them I think may have stifled me a little bit and it wasn't until I came away from that and went into a smaller firm Mm. with with a different culture and a different way of doing things it's really started to help me to blossom and go on this voyage of discovery and I don't even know whether I'm in the right role as building surveyor and maybe I want to do a bit more in business development I'm not sure you know so it's all all in the melting pot at the moment but i think to encourage younger people to experiment a bit more is no bad thing and i think
1: that is um how i see the difference between the graduate these days so or the younger surveyor these days compared to when i was a young surveyor over 20 years ago because we yes. were all trained as general practice surveyor mm-hmm. so we we go in you know we do everything so we have got we have got the opportunity to try so many different things. But these days, they were so early being pigeonholed into, yeah. right, you are going to do asset management. And they thought that is, that is going to be the rest of my life. <laughs> and it's also very difficult for the APC as well, because they said, I have never done any proper reviews or lease renewals because I've never been in that department. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think that is the big difference between the surveyors these days and, you know, compared to my days.
0: (laughs) Mm. I I remember I did an estate management degree many years ago and I remember being in, on the first day, being in a lecture, I can't remember, I think it was planning, no, I think it was development, property development, the the module was. And I remember the lecturer saying, if you came in here to learn about planning, you're on the wrong course. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and I was too embarrassed to get up and, and leave. No. So thinking, I really wanted to learn about planning. Um, <laughs> and, but, I, but I enjoyed the lesson, you know, enjoyed the day. And and as it is, I married a planner. And <laughs> I think that would have the most boring job I personally could have done, you know. So funny how it how it, times, it, it pans out. And as you we were talking, it was reminding me of um, another another quote, not not as uh, inspiring as Elizabeth Gilbert, maybe, but in the um, Frozen Two movie. I don't know if
2: any <laughs> of you have seen it. No. my little boy is refusing to watch anything with princesses in it at the moment.
0: <laughs> oh, be- best thing about having a girl is you get to watch all this stuff that I oh. resisted for many years. But there, there's <sighs> a scene there where Anna uh, starts to sing, you know, and she says, "Do the next right thing." And I think, no, just do the next thing. What's next? Mm. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't, you don't have to be on a career ladder or a, a, a quite a, you know, a linear path somewhere. Just do the next mm. thing that you fancy doing and, and explore. One of the things I, as you were talking there again, I, w- I was thinking about a lot of the younger surveyors that I come across worry about money. Mm. Yeah. And I think about my career when I passed my APC. If I hadn't have passed within a month or so, I would have lost my flat. Because we couldn't afford the the mortgage, you know. Get being a trainee is even now you don't get a lot of money, and even when you qualify, it's not huge sums of money. And just because you work in the property sector doesn't mean you can afford your own home. And I'm really mindful of that with a lot of a lot of younger surveyors that I meet. But you know that then can leave you tied into a job, and they can only see the yeah. path of well, I've got no money, I need to work here. How can I? explore other types of surveying work and get paid for it and those things can be a lot of a lot of pressure and I, but I think maybe perhaps as you get older you get a bit more gung-ho <laughs> I, <was> like,
2: <laughs> I think you'll be right, right. It's it's that, resonates, that resonates with me I think a lot of, when I when I first moved to Birmingham I just finished my degree I went into a house share and it was sort of you know every month you're waiting for that paycheck to come in and then I think you get some sort of mistaken loyalty to the firm that you're working for because you're so desperate to have that paycheck at the end of that month. It is a bit suppressive. You know, I don't think it helps you to explore because you're so tied into that firm. And particularly if you haven't got any family or network around you, which is why I think it's so important stuff, especially with social media now. If you can start building your map network through that, you will end up getting more and more support. And actually, the better you make your profile, you'll probably stand out to other employees who might even approach you, um, you know, and help you get out of that vicious cycle that you're in where you're not enjoying being with people or, or the firm you work for. And maybe help you develop and, and make that move somewhere else.
0: So that's a great lead in. Joe to social media and visibility (laughs) I'm, I'm feeling confident about that you both mentioned at the start you know just how how nervous you were to to put yourself out there tell me what you think about or how you feel about you know LinkedIn profile social media and some of the anxieties or not around it
1: well I will go first I think I am just very nervous of sharing my opinion or uh, saying something and then going back to, you know, what we have previously discussed about confidence, maturity and all those things, because the way I feel I'm nervous, is not because I don't feel I know the subject, it's how people judge my opinion or think, Mm. oh shit, this, her opinion is so silly. Or, uh, oh, she is so immature to say something like that on LinkedIn. or oh, not just LinkedIn, but social media. So um, that put me off because I'm just worried how people judge me. And I think and that goes to self-confidence, isn't it?
0: <laughs> you know, what? I hear this from lots of lots of people. And particularly, I think, with professionals, surveyors or, or any other professionals, is that as though you're setting yourself out there as some kind of authority, you know you are not the red book, yeah. you know you are you are not an r i c s guidance note. you're a human being who has feelings and thoughts and opinions, but you're not going out there saying most of the time, you will not be out there saying, this is an authoritative post. this is what I think. this is what I think should happen to the world. It's rare actually that people do that, yeah, most of the time mm-hmm. people are posting about things they like things they're interested in, asking questions. but and, and I think it's because we're so, as an industry, afraid of getting it wrong. Yeah, yeah. But if we don't go out there and have these opinions and have these conversations, then we never know. I mean, I, I remember when I first started on LinkedIn. And, and Link, I think LinkedIn is LinkedIn, it's interesting. It's seen as like the grandfather, the most professional of the network's. But I think it's got a reputation of being pale, male, and stale. That—that's the perception, but it's not really the reality. And it's a great opportunity if you've got a bit of personality, or if you want to to show, you know, a bit of personality or inspire others. That you can can do it. It means you're going to stand out like a sore thumb because <laughs> everyone else is so boring. <laughs> I'm being very generalist here, <laughs> um, but so most of my most popular posts have been sometimes personal sometimes funny sometimes oh what do you think i had a really popular one recently where i asked about business cards people use business cards i think i need one you know now i'm starting to leave the house you know and people are just really really helpful you know and it it's a social network so it's about engaging so as as much as we talked about networking this is just a different different platform yeah. i think you do need to get your profile set up right so people know who you are and, and what you do and to get that but yeah. you don't have to actually post about anything yeah. you know uh, really
2: technical you know no I was I was complete LinkedIn social media phobe actually until very recently I had a bit of um instruction that went south and it ended up it was dilapidation it got really contentious and it went to mediation and it totally not my confidence and you know I was constantly questioning everything I'd done on it how has it got this far to mediation? Why couldn't I have resolved it with, you know, the other surveyor beforehand? Turned out it was nothing to do with either me or the other surveyorers. You know, it it was a family issue between the landlord and the tenant and it was all down to egos really more than anything else. But, at the time, really not my confidence. Yeah. And that's how I, I sort of started to stumble across personal development courses and things like that. And that then led me on to you, Marion, and your Surveyors Get Visible Masterclass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And yeah. I don't I used to do those courses because yeah, it, was, yes. it was the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. But I'm, I'm not on um, Facebook or what's the other ones? Instagram. And well, I can't even think of any of them because I'm not on them. But yeah, I, I did have a fun on LinkedIn because we were encouraged to do that. Within our corporate roles, but it's very, very corporate, and that profile does need tweaking a little bit. But I went on this get visible masterclass, which is an absolute bargain in my opinion, and I encourage everybody to do it. Oh, I'm so pleased! Yeah, I I, took five pages of notes, and I went straight on, and I changed my LinkedIn profile, and I even made the first post I've ever made in my entire life, and it got really good reaction. You know, I just and since then, I haven't posted that regularly, but I am trying to get a little bit more visible because you get a lot of feedback from people everybody on there I feel like is actually there to help and support others I think there's really that much negativity there is some but you can kind of it's water off ducks back after a while because there are sort of certain individuals where you get the sense yeah. that they do that sort of thing all the time and you can just sort of put them to one side and ignore them a little bit but um yeah that, I mean, I've had approaches from recruitment consultants other employers just general remarks my comments that I just feel like it's a really supportive network and the more I connect with people and follow groups that I am interested in the better my feed is as well so I'm actually getting fed a load of information now that is relevant to my job and I'm doing CPD routinely via LinkedIn so I'll pick on an article that comes up on my feed and think, wow, yeah, I'm interested in that. I'm going to look at that. This is this is sort of the first time that I've had that positive connection with LinkedIn, shall we say? Um, taking really, me a while to get
0: there. Yeah, I'm really pleased about that, and that it made a difference. Yeah, I run it monthly. Yeah, uh, so I'll pop a link in the in in the show notes. It's just an hour, hour and a half, depending on on who's there. Oh, that's and I'll, brilliant. I'll, I just go through, you know, I guess it's about being engaging and being visible as much yeah. as a, a basics for for LinkedIn. And the thing about, about LinkedIn compared to others, I guess, is that you are in control. You are in control of your profile and and what goes on there and and how you present yourself, but also you curate your own audience. So you don't have to connect with anybody you don't like, you know, if you've got people following you, you can, you can take them off, you know? So these people who say, well, you know, I get loads of people sharing their personal posts and social life in my feed. It's like, well, you're clearly connected with people who like to do all of that. Just don't. Because yeah. you're, in con- you're, you're in control of it and you can create that. Uh, and, you know, the best thing to get started, as well as having a, a really simple, nice profile, you know, which I can show you to do or you can find out on, on YouTube or actually Lionheart run a like a basics session, I think, oh, okay. on, uh, on LinkedIn. But the best thing to do is just a comment. Yeah. You know, you don't even have to do your own posts. You can just comment on other people's posts and say, hmm, that's really interesting or, "Oh, I didn't know or, oh, I asked a question. And that's particularly good for younger, people who are nervous, but younger surveyors who might not feel they've got the experience. And that positions you as someone who's curious, who's interested. You know, you might start to add an opinion and you then become sort of authoritative and knowledgeable and, and build up your your network network that way. But I think we can often overthink it. And just as you mm. said you know, that dilapidations case mm. you were dealing with yeah, and it knocked your confidence. It was nothing to do with you, no. you know, and really when we look at, well, what's the truth? You know, what, what is, is it true that people will troll you and hack you down? Not really. I guess yes. if you come to a point, I mean, I've not that I've got, thousands and thousands of followers compared to some, you know, but I do have a, I do have visibility. People do follow me and particularly, you know, it's been a really difficult year for me actually with the whole Levitt report in that at times I didn't feel I could talk about the things I would usually want to because it was very sensitive um, yeah. and, you know, for everything that was going on and how things could be interpreted. You know, but I did get trolled and, and effectively bullied, on a lot of the the posts, and and that really affected my confidence. I had people messaging me, telling me all sorts of horrible things. And you just Pretty think, awful.
2: I I can't. actually
1: but it's sit not your profile,
0: and I know who you are. <laughs> you yeah. know. But equally, you know, if I don't put myself out there, you know, if I don't show, then what is that telling? What is that showing other people? Um, but really, it's not as bad, and and as as people make out, it's just a fear. But you, once you've learned how to. Get out there, some of the technical practical stuff, and then how to structure some posts. You yeah. just then have fun with it, definitely. You know, and I've had Ooh. posts that have totally bombed, and some <laughs> that have gone, you know, really, really. I did one of the um "this little girl is me" posts, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's something uh, as we, as we sort of sit now, it's got something like nearly forty thousand views. <laughs> I'm like, you are kidding? Incredible. You know, yeah. Uh, but you just you just never know. Uh, but that's more, again a, a more personal story so it's not always about
1: about the work that's interesting because i started to use linkedin more because that is what everyone said to me you need to be on linkedin more and yeah that's what i'm trying to do i'm learning but i know I, you know like you said you know you've got some people followed you or you know really criticised you something like that so unnecessary but i know if that happens to me that will knock my confidence really quickly yeah, And it takes so, it's it's very annoying for, you know, not just for me, I'm sure for everyone. It's always so, it takes so long to build up your confidence, but so quickly it can just be completely demolished by one post and you'll be like, oh, I'm not going to post anymore.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you know what? Yeah, that's a yes and no in that some days when I feel really low, then Yes. It hurts. I um I did a podcast recently, and somebody took offence to what I'd actually said in this podcast and made a post on Facebook actually. And they totally missed the point. It wasn't about them, but they'd posted it and and were quite a bit mean actually in terms of how they how they structured it. And I was quite I, I was having a really bad day when I saw it, and it, it did affect my confidence. But you know what? There's two things that you you can do. One, it's how you respond and to respond with a, you know, thanks for that, but, you know, that's not quite how it was, or this is my view, and, you know, it's to make sure that you do respond to these difficult ones. That's the same for any, even if you've got, like, really bad Google reviews for your business, you know, it's no no different. It's how you respond that people people notice. But then also other people then went and listened to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and and, share, and shared posts, And actually it was really engaging and people, lots of people messaged me to show, show some support, Yeah, you know, so, but, but you, you learn as well, you know, and yes, it makes me feel a bit mindful about what I say and how I do it, but I can't live like that. You know, you've got to be your, got to be your authentic, authentic self. And LinkedIn is really interesting because everyone says they're on LinkedIn. Mostly people are on some other kind of social media platform, you know, and that's why I've got thousands of people in the Surveyor Hub community Facebook group, because they, they feel like they can chat and be a bit more free and be a bit more fun on there because it's a it's more it's a closed group. But it's interesting, but it's just getting having having some fun with it and mm. uh, but once you start to see some positivity and get some confidence on it, just like Joe has, you know. I mean to do your first post ever. But that
2: felt felt good. I've been well, I've been on LinkedIn for probably 15 years something like that <laughs> like probably one of the trailblazer profiles one of the first on there just stayed completely silent and um yeah the first one it was, I'd say it was I'd shared stuff before but never commented on it so you know Lambert Hampton would have put big post on there and I would have shared it just to do the corporate role but I'd never actually put my own post on there, and I broke my ankle and thought, "Oh, you know what? I'm just gonna." I got I got back out on the ladders, and I thought, "I'm feeling really good about this, so I'm just gonna post a few photos." And it was after Marion's course, thought, "Why not? Let's give it a whirl." And it got a good reaction, and yeah, I just yeah, it was great. It was positive, hmm. it builds you up. But yeah, I I don't know how I would feel if I got uh, if I got trolled. I think if I think that would knock my confidence, as you say, Betsy. I think, but. I would probably reach out to some of my network and say, you know, what did you think of this post because it got this really bad reaction and I just need to sense check it with you. And if they all supported me, then I bounced mm. back quite quickly. Yeah. True.
0: And yeah. and when and when I do that and I reach out to my friends and they normally reply back with the Aubergine emoji. <laughs> and you know,
2: <laughs> it's fine. It's okay.
1: Aubergine <laughs> <Is that an laughs> emoji,
2: I don't get that. I'm not on Facebook for all these, so I'm not quite what the ABT uh, movie is or uh, does the, the, the naivety
0: <laughs> <laughs> and on that note <laughs> <laughs> you explained oh, me on a private message <laughs> oh Be- uh, Betsy and Joe, it's been really really good fun to talk to you today oh, How, you. Do, you st- do you still thank feel you. nervous uh, <laughs> no not now good it has now. been Much really good life. thank you oh, yeah awesome.
1: really
0: but nice it's been time l- it's been really good to talk to you thank you ever so much thank you thank you very much hey thanks for tuning into the show today i really hope you enjoyed it you can find the show notes and links to any guests and resources we've mentioned today on the website lovesurveying.com and don't forget to show your support by buying me a coffee or you can rate review and follow the podcast on your usual podcast platform It really does make a difference and helps spread the word and reach a wider audience of surveyors who just love what they do. See you next time.